Welcome to the Deep Dive, the after show podcast for the Amazon original series, The Boys. My name's Toby Shaver. I'm here with my brother, Dave. What is up, Shavy D? How you doing, Toby? Doing awesome. So, uh... The As we record this, the second season of The Boys on Amazon has just dropped. So they've dropped a few episodes now. So we're going back, before we hit the new ones, we're going to go back and do a recap of each episode from season one. Now, I've already gone through this, as you know, Dave. I've already watched these once when they first came out. Yep. But this is the first time for you. So we're coming off... Um, you just finished episode one, so let's get your initial reactions. Amazing. So, uh, I've been very fortunate to not really hear anything. You know, I knew you were excited about it and you enjoyed it and said I should watch it, but other than that, I really knew no specifics. You know, didn't know what I was getting into as I, I, I went into the viewing, and uh, oh my, I can't wait to talk about it. All right. So, uh, this uh, is based on the comic books um, which neither of us have read the comic books either it's the comic book series of the same name by garth ennis and Derek robertson and uh produce our uh, the uh, tv show was developed by eric kripke and it's actually produced by seth rogan and evan goldberg were are the main executive producers of it so you you know you kind of know going in it's gonna gonna have a, a bit of a comedic bent to it with those guys involved um but obviously this thing is is uh not for kids so if you're if you're listening to this podcast we're assuming you've watched the show so you know we're going to be talking about very uh grown-up stuff so you know if you're if you're a young kid go uh check out our other podcast back issues you know and we'll, we'll talk about comic books and stuff but here it's going to get pretty crazy so just putting that out there um so episode one we kind of come out come out with a bang we they're kind of setting up this world so like the first thing that we're seeing is these kids talking about superheroes they're just talking about their favorite you know typical conversation kids would have about you know who's better superman or thor or whatever um but we qu- we quickly realize that you know the ones they're talking about actually exist in the real world because as the kids are talking about it you know basically a bank robbery starts to unfold you know right behind them and uh we see queen Maeve for the first time stepping into action uh who in this world is kind of our our wonder woman of of this superhero world and this is where we get our first taste of the fact that you know this is not television of of our era which you know movies had the big budget and television you know looked a little less than this thing looks amazing so i mean this first scene with mave it's like it's i would put it effects wise up against any of these big budget superhero movies no oh absolutely i mean even the you know it's funny because obviously she is the wonder woman character and you know the idea of like the you know the interaction in the wonder woman big budget you know theatrical movie uh where she's taking on that that terrorist squad in the one scene in the film uh, at the beginning the uh, or was it justice league i think you're, yeah like the bank robbery thing at the beginning of of justice League. where they're gonna blow up the couple blocks up. of the exactly okay I'm she's got to get rid of the bomb yeah. she throws the briefcase bomb way up or whatever right there's a yes yes that's what I, yeah okay so that's the scene so the 
this, I, you know, I, t- I would put this one over that. I mean, the, the, totally. the uh, her jumping in front of the armored car and it just basically it going on both, you know, she's the pole that now this thing has, has gone around. Uh, fantastic. And what I just loved about it was instantly you not only see the amazing powers, you see the amazing effects that you're going to, you know, that they're going to, the way they're going to display these powers, but the fact that when, you know, as she's going through this armored vehicle and she looks over and sees the one terrorist there, you're just, like, you immediately realize uh, they don't care about, you know, collateral damage. I mean, it's immediate. and (laughs) yeah. It, it goes right from that to flashing to the uh, the Homelander, I believe is like yeah, the, the Homelander main super- shows up kind of at the end. You know, they get a little bit of uh, you know maybe a drop on her a little bit with a hostage, and then you know kind of the heat vision comes in, and then we get get our first glimpse of Homelander. Well, and and it's, and it's like in the comment I was making about the uh, the lack of concern for collateral damage. Then well, right, he just grabs, he immediately he just melts grabs the, the metal right over the guy's hand. You know, I mean, yeah. it's not like he heats it up like a like the typical Superman. Oh, oh, you know, he drops it. This, you know, he immediately heat visions the metal of the the yeah weapon around the, and he's you know writhing on the ground in vain, and it's just like. Yeah, you know, I can take a selfie. Well, and then and and then <laughs> tosses him, and then tosses him up, and you know, I mean, we don't. He he gets tossed off screen, you know, vertically, right? And then, I mean, it's a legit eight Mississippi before he comes down. So that guy did not walk away from that. There's no. Right. I mean, the melted hand was the least of his worries compared to what comes next. But yeah, you're right. right. I mean, like the, like it was like anytime you would ever see. You know, and and this kind of continues through the episode. You start to see maybe the tropes of like the superhero films and and shows that we know. You know, if it was a Superman moment, Superman still would have done the heat vision to heat up the gun, but it would have been just enough to drop it. Right. You know, we've seen that a million times. So, yeah. So, obviously, we know these guys mean business, but then... uh, yeah, like you said, they go into selfie mode with the people, you know, with the fans that are kind of kind of looking on and everything. And it just starts to give you, you know, an idea that maybe these guys play a little rough, but that's about really all, all, all we know at this point. Um, so then next we get to meet Huey. So now, now Huey's our, our kind of proxy for, right. for just the regular... Him. Regular Joe, so yeah, I love Huey. Uh, played by uh, Jack Quaid, Dennis Quaid's son. I don't know if you knew that. No, um, I didn't. No. Yeah, uh, and you know, basically sets him up as you know, definitely a tech guy. Like very, you know, works in like a basically a Radio Shack, um, but uh, knows his stuff for sure. You know, which I'm assuming is you know laying the groundwork for for him being you know, extremely useful, but, you know, he's a very, I don't want to say nerdy guy, but just very unsure of himself, very, you know, we, we meet his girlfriend, you know, and even as he's, as he's talking to his girlfriend and stuff, 
you know, she's talking about how, oh, I had to ask you out. I had to make the first move. So really setting up Huey as kind of this ineffectual guy who, who doesn't really, um, you know, chase after what he wants. But, uh, yeah, but he's instantly likable. Stereotypical, he has all the, all the, you know, potential in the world, but it's just not living up to it, whether it's his own fears or inhibitions or, you know, the world kind of, you know, just happening to him versus him making, you know, him making it happen. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 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 And he kind of, I, I think even like when he's kind of taking a stroll with his girlfriend, you know, he, he makes some comment about like, you know, what am I, Homelander or something, you know, but like in a negative way. So like you, you also see that he already has kind of, you know, not a great opinion of, of the superheroes, but, uh, that's about to get a whole lot worse, obviously, because he is, uh, you know, kind of just standing on the sidewalk, you know, holding his girlfriend's hand and just talking about the future and talking about moving in together. And mm -hmm. then I, I just love the visuals of this scene. I mean, it ends up being quite oh. disgusting, but mm. just all of a sudden she's just gone. You know, she's just completely out of the frame, but there's just this floating blood in its place, and you just see the look on this guy's face. It's just frozen, and, you know, essentially, A-Train, who is their speedster, speedster of, of the seven, um, just at full speed runs right through her and just, you know, basically explodes her, but... I don't know how how closely you looked at this scene, but the detail. Well, I was I was just going to comment Go on that the fact that you Go know because it. the you know immediately like we said in the previous scene there was the establishment of the kind of budget they're going to throw at this thing and how you know much the de the visuals are going to be a detail and a a, uh, a real way to tell the story and uh, what I found so amazing was. You know, already in the first two scenes, it was displayed in both of them. During the actual slow motion sequence, there is a, a an inner story being told because, like, as as like Queen Mob goes through the uh, armored vehicle, like I said, you're not only seeing that she's made the choice to jump in front of it and do it that way versus, you know, grabbing it, slowing it down, you know, whatever the, the, the other ways about going, the ways of going about it. And then, you know, looking over and establishing that she, you know, the guy, uh, you know, one of the robbers in the back of the thing. Well, in this one, like you, it, like you said, all of a sudden there's just this floating, you know, pool of blood. It starts to kind of splatter on his face and then as you start to, you know, the, the camera turns so that you can register eventually on a train. In the meantime, you know, there's part of a spine floating in the air. There's a jawbone, you know, slowly pirouetting. I mean, yeah. it's I was just I didn't. But I was almost going to pause it and like rewind. You know, it was one of those scenes where already I was ready to do that. And yeah. Yeah, you know, I just you know I flowed with the with the episode, but uh, yeah, using the word flow purposefully, but the, the uh, but yes, the the whole blood effect, let alone the pieces of, of body part, and oh, 
Yeah, just uh, amazingly well yeah. done. And then poor Huey is just stand. I mean, he's literally just standing there, still holding her hands. You know, yeah. His girlfriend Robin, who I I have to think there's no way they didn't think when they named her Robin that had to have been on purpose. I'm sure. <laughs> just like a just a little little Easter egg there. Right. Um, but yeah, so obviously, who Huey's our our tragic figure so far um but next we meet starlight we meet annie who who is uh yes. our our up-and-coming superhero um was she from iowa i think it was yep. like they say like des moines or something mm-hmm. um but yeah she's just a farm girl so when we first meet her it's cool you see like kind of a little montage of her testing her limits and you know kind of working up strength lifting up the back of a car you know punching through the walls so you know she's obviously obviously got some uh you know we haven't fully seen what her powers are but obviously she's got some super strength and uh then we see her making an audition video which is just you know again they're building this world they're building this this world of of, you know our reality kind of as it stands in 2020 or well, 2019 when this is made. Um, but, you know, if these superpowered people were here, so, you know, she's filming something that basically could easily be a American Idol audition video. You know, she's like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Starlight. This is, you know, this is where I'm from or whatever. I've always wanted to, you know, I've always looked up to these superheroes and, you know, all that stuff that you would say. And then, then, uh, Basically, she shows her her big power, which is you know basically a illumination right. kind of thing. Um, what what I so loved, we just get a little taste of Starlight at that that point. And what I loved about it is again it it, it kind of ratcheted up for me a little bit on the level that they were willing to go or the you know the depth that they were willing to go um, because. And she's doing the, like you said, I guess we'll call it an audition video. Um, you know, there was definitely, because of the the idea of the, you know, the, like you said, it showed her lifting the car from the from the back, you know, kind of doing doing her exercises, punching the wall. And the mom immediately, you know, it's, it's even in that initial scene, you know, they're kind of establishing it. This isn't, you know, mom, pa, Kent. I mean, because the mom's like, you know, go through the wall. You know, and she's like punching right, the side of the garage, right. like, like we're like, like this is the out, like. So I'm thinking immediately, you know, maybe like um, they're gonna do this, like these guys are professional athlete style, you know, like mm. this is almost like a, a a combine that she's going to or whatever, and she's getting. But then when she immediately goes to the, yeah, you know, mom put me in the pageants that I never, or maybe she doesn't use that word, but that's the feel feel I got. She's like, I never really like that, you know. It felt, you know. You know, it just so established like the idea that that the soups are put on a, a pedestal in this world, but even the ones that do that understand that it's you know there's it's maybe not as as pristine as as it it should be or whatever that you know the the um, I don't know how to quite word it, but there yeah, it, it was yeah. a sense of that. It was a it was a, a really revered and, and important thing to aspire to, but yet there was already you know flaws in the in the system of how maybe people got there and and you know what you know how they were left feeling at the end of the process or whatever. Right, if, if right, that's the right, right. Word. 
Well, yeah, answer. because she's she's you know nothing like the Kents. She's a stage mom, basically. Right. You know, right. I mean, everything she does is and, and she's left you know, Starlight is very the worst stories. Yeah, because everything she does is like the worst that you hear about stage moms. Right. That you know, really, kind of like she even you know, like I, I think later in the episode she makes a comment like, oh, you know, the the neighbor. You know, was bragging about how her daughter Sally's got into a, such right. a yeah, such such a school, exactly. and you know, but my daughter's one of the seven. One of the seven. So, um, so you know, and that's basically. I mean, we could skip ahead to for Starlight storyline at least um, a little out of sequence, but that's basically you know what she builds up to. She's trying to get into the seven, and you know, someone's retired, and there's a spot opening up, and. You know, we don't really, um, you know, know what what that whole process is leading up to that. But basically, she gets the call that that uh, she's going to go on to it. So obviously, the mom is is probably more excited uh, than than Starlight even. But um, so, and then we'll get back to her in in a second. But uh, so now we now we see Huey again, and he's. Uh, sitting down with the attorneys and I think we've seen up to this point because we've gotten a little background that um, you know basically this corporation Vought is the one that's in charge of the seven and it's it's a you know publicly held company and everything and it is truly multimedia I mean these are actual real superheroes but they also do their own superhero movies that they are in, you know, and they sell product and they do, you know, endorsements, uh, you know, to your point about the like pro athlete track. It is kind of like that because right. a train beer, would be your ticket out. That would such. be yeah, a right. train beer. Exactly. Which poor Huey, you know, that makes it even worse for him because right. this dude, the imagery is everywhere, kills his girlfriend and he's got to go around and see, see him on posters and the side of beer bottles and stuff. Um, you know, but basically the, uh, the Vaught attorney is there, you know, running his game on Huey and saying, look, you know, I know you guys weren't married yet, but we feel terrible about this. We're willing to give you $45,000, you know, for your pain and suffering, but we need you to sign the non-disclosure agreement. And, you know, again, this is where we get to learn a little bit more about Huey and, and kind of his his uh, shortcomings because he, he has, I love where he, there's kind of like the little fantasy sequence, you know, where he's totally telling the guy off but then it cuts out of it and you realize that's just you know what he wanted to say if, if he had the balls to do it um but basically he just leaves it at you know oh, i'll think about it or whatever um and then he's got the dad huey's dad simon yep. Pegg, who you know i love i'm so glad he's in the show but he's kind of like dude you got to take the deal you can't you can't fight these people anyway it's not going to go anywhere that's a well, lot of money that can help us out. Yeah. Well, that's like the later scene, isn't it? I, I, I just, uh, yeah, because it whole, the, the, basically it establishes it because they're coming back from the funeral, and that's where you see Simon Pegg before you even see the lawyer, and he's yeah. very downtrodden in and of himself. Um, and the fact that it's Simon Pegg, you know, obviously lends you to believe that you know, I, I'm not sure that he wasn't going to be a, you know, an ex-superhero or maybe even an ex-villain. I keep getting that, you know, I, I got that vibe right away somehow. But, uh, um, 
but then the lawyer comes and tries to get him to sign the non-disclosure. And I did like the little fantasy sequence, but I kind of almost took it as I, you know, and again, I haven't seen, this is the very first time I've seen any of this, but I, I get this vibe that, that maybe Huey is going to have some sort of power himself and maybe it's a, a mental related power, but anyway, like, oh like, yeah, I don't, I'd be very possible. I mean, I I took it as his. Just you have those moments where you think about, you know, what you wish you would say. You know, if you it, were the type of person that would say it. If it, if there was no superhero related aspect to this show, I would assume I would have assumed it was more like coming from a nervous breakdown point of view. Mm, but yeah. but you know me. I mean, I'm I'm constantly trying to read ahead in in a in a in a weird sort of way. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, well, but I, I, I like the fact that it was trying to basically, for me at least, it was establishing, you know, not only the ridiculous corporate nature of now the superhero game, you know, like basically sending the lawyer out to CYA and then, uh, you know, also, uh, you know, just how little a, a life is worth or whatever type of thing, but the idea that. You know, we as the audience now understand that Huey is a, a man of integrity and, you know, all those yeah. things. So, yeah, I just, uh, it, it reinforced to me that, you know, I like when a character has integrity, especially when those around him are really almost specifically trying to facilitate him not. You know, like you said, where his dad... In, in, either at the end of that scene or in a scene a little bit later, you know, basically says, Hey, you know, you should go ahead and sign that, you know, we could use the money yeah. type of thing. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, I really, uh, I, I'm, I mean, um, I mean, he, 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 he really almost just has a face that's likable that actor, you know, yeah. uh, you said yeah. Jack Quaid, is that what his name is? Jack Quaid. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah he's Dennis Quaid's son. Yeah. That's yeah. uh is it, uh, with Meg Ryan? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Because I've always referred, heard him referred to as Dennis Quaid's son, but that he, he may be, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm, somebody I, different. But uh, it very well could be. Um, but yeah, I, and you're right. It is later when he's like, and I don't know. I mean, you, you make a good point about Simon Pegg. Maybe he has some backstory there, but I didn't think so just because like, later on when he you know he sees that Huey is like doing research and trying to figure out angles you know for a potential lawsuit or whatever here's some you know ways we can approach it and he's kind of like he's like just stop just give this up you don't have it in you you don't have the fight in you and he's like and I never did either to be honest and that's the you know, actually I, one I of the just feel like he's just like a like just a second generation of just this I think his dad just sees look kid you don't have any more moxie than I had so just you know you can't go up against these guys to me, well and that, that's exactly why I believe that maybe he had or there's a power in that family somewhere or whatever. Cause I, yeah. I just got the feeling yeah, that I was saying basically I, I yeah. tried to be something and maybe I was fucking squirrel man or something like that. And you know, <laughs> they were like, laugh me out of the shit. And so like, I'm a loser. So yeah. you, you, you need to assume you're going to be a loser too <laughs> or something like that where, yeah. you know, yeah. 
again, I, I you know, kind of got the vibe like he was, you know, Huey was going to maybe have some, you know, maybe be a real powerful somehow or something like that. Yeah, or, or, or again, maybe I'm just completely, you know, imagining something that's not even really yeah. remotely yeah. there. I have no, I mean, that's what's so exciting about watching this, this show in particular is that, you know, I've heard enough just general good vibe about it, but have not a have heard not a single specific detail. So I have no right. idea what's coming. So I'm just right. You know, there's there's so much potential of different ways they can go with this thing that I'm yeah I couldn't be more excited. So yeah. So uh, so the next thing that kind of comes up is Starlight showing up at the red carpet. You know, we're not really clear right away. You know what it is she's showing up for, but they're you know she's like, is this all for me? Blah blah blah. Um, you know, so it's just it looks. They probably filmed it at the Oscars, probably. You know, it's, that's usually how they do stuff like that. But that's what it looked like was basically a, a Oscars or an Emmys or something. But uh, basically, it's a shareholder meeting for Vaught. So we get to meet uh, Madeline. Wait, what's her name? Madeline. Uh, damn it. Oh, Madeline Stillwell, the kind of the chair chairperson, you know, CEO of Vought. Yes. And uh, Elizabeth Shue, who nice. I love. Glad, mm-hmm. glad to see her back. Where you been? Where you been, Liz? Yep. Um, but, you know, she's basically just going over the, just like you would see at a typical shareholders meeting, hyping everybody up. You know, we had this movie that made, you know, $2 billion worldwide and, all, all this stuff, and then shows the little video, like the little sizzle reel of the seven. So we've got Homelander, A Train, um, Translucent, who's our invisible man, um, The Deep, who's kind of our Aquaman, um, Black Noir, who I guess is probably the closest one to like Batman, it seems like. Um, you know, but at this point, we haven't really seen, seen too much of him yet. Um, and who am I missing? Oh, that's it. Well, the uh, they say the guy Lamplighter was the one that was retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have the Deep come out and um, introduce Starlight and basically bring her out. Um, and, you know, that's, that's kind of the whole thing with it is to just hype her up. You know, she's the new product. It's, it, it's basically like Steve Jobs, you know, introducing the newest iPhone. Very right. I, I like that's a great analogy. And I'd like, uh, you know, Elizabeth Shue. Just great to see her again. I mean, like, I don't remember much since leaving Las Vegas. I maybe, maybe, yeah, you know, maybe it's taken her some time to get her head right again after that. You know, that was a, that was a, yeah. you know, she's got some skills and, and I, and I, I've always liked her. So it's good, like you said, it's good to see her back. But I like that. My initial reaction to her is that she's a a. If if Lex would have ever gotten control over the superheroes, like that's what I got the vibe from her right away. Like if I, I, I'm, right. I'm 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 hoping that's the kind of character she's gonna be. Um, I don't know yet. Again, like a, like a Lex in um, Public Enemies. Yes, very much. One of my favorite of the DC animated. Yes, yes. The, absolutely. That's, uh, that's, I, I'm hoping, you know, again, there's a lot of different ways. So I'm sure I'm going to be excited yeah. about whatever way they go. But the, uh, but that's, that's what kind of stuck out to me initially. And 
And yeah, and then I really liked the fact that they established even further the fact that, you know, just because Starlight comes from Des Moines doesn't mean she's, you know, uh, pure of heart, but like just the, the, the innocence of this experience for her, I think deepens her character and, 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 you know, the, what we're beginning to come to expect from her. So, uh, right. So I, I like that a lot. Right. Very much the, very much the just pure, innocent, like, you know, actress, if no, she went to Hollywood. Norma Jean quickly, before Marilyn, you know. Right, like if she quickly landed, like it, it'd be like if you went to Hollywood and, and your first gig was whatever the biggest show on TV was at that time. You'd be completely, you know, starstruck and just not see that coming, even though you've been, you know, an actress doing other things small time or whatever, because she even says at one point um, when you know, later when she's at, at like the headquarters, you know, and they're show, the deep is showing her all the tech and everything. She says, you know, oh, I've just been using a police scanner because right. there was this there was a scene earlier, you know, to establish that she's in her hometown fighting what little crime there is. Like the mom is like, um, you know, did you did you stop anybody? Did you uh catch anybody tonight or whatever it's like no nothing it's like man we could really use the pr right now mm-hmm. so yeah. you know and and important in, details uh, for sure yeah and in madeline's speech she establishes also that that vaught has a little over 200 soups at this point they usually call them soups or whatever um and their goal is to have one in every city you know so every city has their own kind of hero so basically you know they're they're running superheroes like franchises so the seven is like the kind of the global you know they're the justice league but still every city has their own little small timer you know kind of like the the farm club basically Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah I, i just love that scene i loved establishing you know, not only are they doing all these, you know, commercial type things with the with the soups, but this is a public company that, you know, is just is a global thing. And, you know, it's very much something that could exist, you know, that if if we had beings in this world with these amazing powers, it's very, very plausible that they could be under the control of a corporation because, you know, these are human beings. They have extraordinary powers, but they're human beings that want a paycheck. And, you know, some of them are doing it to get get out of a bad situation or whatever. So right. it's very, even though it's like dark comedy and, and far-fetched and stuff, it's very grounded in, in the world as it is today, I think. Absolutely. Well, that's why, I think that's part of where, where they felt they had to go with the show is the, the idea that if... You know the government, and unfortunately, we in the re- in the real world understand that so much of the government now is controlled by corporations. You know, we have become a corporatist state, and therefore, like we can relate to the idea that that's it's almost gotten to the point where the variety only exists as they allow it to exist. So the fact mm-hmm. that this giant corporation 
would obviously have to be sanctioned by and, and you know, um, facilitated by government. But in a very real way, they're far above government, you know, and right. basically, you know, you know, we kind of put on the public face that, oh, you're happy to we're happy that you're accommodating us, but really we're calling the shots. And, uh, right, right. you know, and I like the fact that they, um, even, you know, very shortly thereafter, you know, have, have the, uh, the, uh, CEO, you know, meet with a government official and kind of, you know, they're, they're actually working out some of the, the specifics of, you know, the movement of these heroes, you know, or let's call them soups. We won't even call them heroes, but, uh, um, the movement of them and, and some of the, the, you know, financial logistics that are, are happening behind right. the scenes as well. So I, uh, yeah, I really like, right. you know, cause Madeline, that's an important detail. Well, let's talk about show. that. We can, you know, we'll, we'll go back and, uh, pick up where we left off with, with Starlight in a second. But yeah, since we're talking about Madeline, you know, let's talk about that meeting. So she's sitting down with the mayor of Baltimore and basically saying, look, you know, your, your murder rates are higher than they've ever been. You know, your city is a mess. You guys need a soup there. You need your own. Um, so, uh, she's offering, uh, what is it? Nubian Prince? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nubian Prince. Yeah. Uh, I he's like, I thought he was like, based he in fits. Detroit. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's just like, yeah, he is. But you know, we're thinking about moving him and, uh, you know, basically, Represent. it really gives an insight to what right. they're doing because she's like, he fits the, he fits your demographic. You know, focus groups are testing him high for, you know, this and that. And, you know, basically, we'll give them to you for 300 million a year. Um, and the mayor's like, well, you know, we were thinking more 200 million a year and starts negotiating. And then, and this is a key, key part of the episode. He, he says, you know, you wouldn't want people to find out about what we know about compound B and he just kind of drops it. And, you know, Madeline puts on her poker face, obviously. And is like, I don't know what you're talking about, but clearly, you know, she's, it's the first time we see her sweat a little bit, you know, um, and, but she stays strong, you know, she holds her ground and, and, and says, look, the price is, is 300 million, you know, just let us know. You think about it, you let us know. Um, and then, you know, later in the episode basically calls and is like, Hey, look, you know, we'll go, we'll go two thirty. Um, but, and then she says some contingency or something like that. I can't remember what it was but basically she, you know she she agrees to oh well no she she just says she she'll have him there for 230 a year but um keep his mouth shut about the other issues but keep your mouth shut we don't know anything about that that's you right. know but there's no stay. need to start rumors we're not saying exactly. that that's rumor. accurate but there's no need to talk about it but, yeah a rumor you know even if it's completely unfounded can still do us damage so right. shut your mouth basically is the gist yeah um and we'll talk about that later on so um yeah and that's but yeah uh, we get to see the business side of it yeah and that was uh um an interesting thing too because i i, I immediately I like that they slow rolled that, and again we'll get to that. But that that was an interesting thing for me because you know you saw outside the window the 
you know, the soup fly by, or at least that's what I assumed it was. Uh, while when they, they were in the meeting? Yeah, while they were having their conversation. Did you notice that? Oh, I didn't even catch that, no. Yep. yep. So, um, and it was interesting because I don't know if shortly before or after that scene, you know, they were talking about, um, well, anyway, we'll, we'll come back, we'll circle back around, but, but yeah, I, I noticed that, like I was, I was had high anticipation through that whole scene that somehow somebody was going to like break in and, you know, something was going to happen in, in, in the quote unquote negotiations. So, uh. So yeah, oh it's, yeah, it's, I completely missed that. Yeah, it, well, maybe it was just maybe that was just a back background thing to just facilitate like building the world that there are that there are soups that it's potentially not that, right that rare of a thing could have been just that because I didn't even notice it. Well, that that was another thing I was going to say too is that the the attention to the small details on this show like that is yep. amazing with just stuff in the background and stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was it, but who knows, maybe that'll come into play later. Um, but uh, yeah, so going back to starlight after the shareholders meeting, her and the deep basically go to, you know, what is the headquarters of the seven, their main kind of meeting room. And that's where he's showing her like the tech, like I talked about before and, you know, the, uh, what I love how, like, again, like the little, the little things he's like, you know, we have these satellites that can, you know, re read the license plate of a getaway car from 350 miles in space, but like just, and, and maybe that's me reading in, but like, it felt very intentional to say getaway car when it's really, you know, you could read the license plate of any car for any reason, you know, but just like all the little things, he, he was, he seemed like he was very much putting, putting up like the first day thing, you know, like she's yeah. nervous, you know, we've all been establishing nervous. the we've company line a little bit. And, yeah. Yep. And then, uh, but then that shit goes sideways quickly. He, he, uh, veers off that course. Uh, pretty fast when after she tells him that you know she had a crush on him growing up and it was his poster that was on the wall not not homelander and you know literally within five seconds of her saying that he drops his pants yeah well it was uh yeah that was that was yes i that was painful (laughs) to watch the the um I like that that's the choices they're going to make with this thing because it's, you know, it was such a, a a great way to establish and build it to that point because, you know, he obviously, like you said, you know, just the, even the terms and the way he, you know, the words he's using to do this basically, you know, uh, you know, uh, introductory tour, um, yeah. You know, he specifically, you know, and especially as that scene unfolds and you realize just how manipulative the guy is, um, you know, the fact that he specifically points out that this is Homelander's chair and you want to sit yeah. in it and so on and so forth. You know, it's it was a specific fish for how is she going to react to that? Is she going to be the starstruck little girl that's going to respond to that is something more along the lines of what did happen where she no says, you know, maybe he was a little too perfect. Like you said, I think she compares him to Jesus, which was, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I just thought that was so funny, but the, uh, 
um, the fact that then she just, you know, that that he allows, you know, and and it's just. Are, wait, are we are we just gonna are we just gonna ignore the fact that you just said the deep was fishing for information? I, well, yeah, you we're know, just I, gonna, I, I leave him out there. I leave him out there, so I, you know, you can respond how you will, but the, uh, um, you know, the fact that she was so willing to open up and, you know, confide that it was his poster. And then, like you said, yeah. just the fact that, you know, the very next shot is his ass crack and, the you know, the, the, the side of his arm stroking it. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, are you kidding me? And then to immediately not even take, you know, not even a misstep of it immediately being, you know, not the, you know, Seinfeld naked guy thing or the, right. or the whatever, you know, it was the. Was it Seinfeld? I don't remember. Oh, oh, the what? What's that? Remember the? There was, I don't know. I'm getting totally sidetracked. But there, that was a move where you basically the woman went out of the room, and then when she came oh. back, you were naked <laughs> on the couch. Yeah, it was right, like some right, right. obnoxious sitcom. You know that? I mean, great yeah, sitcom, I don't know, but, but I, I remember what you're talking. You know, about, it was supposed but, to just uh, be speaking to the the you know the awfulness that men can be, you know, and stuff like that. But the the idea that in this one, it wasn't just that he was some pig dude. It was that right. he was going to go all the way to, I am the gatekeeper. And if you want this future you've always dreamt of, you're going to do exactly what I say and you're going to shut your mouth about it. And it's just right. like, oh my God, I so, you know, I just so wanted her to destroy him at that second. But. It is exactly the thing you've always worked for your whole life. And more importantly, you know, the the one person that you do care most for, your mother, whether she's damaged and flawed or not, it's what she's always wanted. So like you're you're right. the you're the vessel of of other people's dreams as well. So then then the heinousness of what this guy's doing is even more, you know, amplified and stuff like that. So yeah. so yeah, I, I can't I certainly hope you know he gets uh, he gets six His feet deep. Yeah, sure. Yes. yes, he goes six feet it, deep. It was so it was so well done because it was so abrupt. It went from yep. her, you know, literally saying, you know, getting a little choked up and being like, you know, I used to look at, stare in the mirror at home and and pretend that I was here and now I'm here and like she's completely vulnerable and completely mm-hmm. absolutely just thrilled and grateful to be where she is and then boom it just turns on a dime and he even you know go like just the ultimate like he, he's like i'm the number number two yeah. here I'm the which, you know we don't even know we, we don't even know if that's necessarily even fucking true right. if he's you know number two we just know homelander's number one i don't know what the hierarchy is but um I think it was a, a great way to do that scene because it is like, if you're going to have this, this show where we're establishing these soups that have no boundaries that have no, um, really moral integrity. I mean, obviously it's, it's a sliding scale. Some of them might be better than others, but, um, you know, th- that's not the kind of people that are going to slow play it and be nice to nice to the new girl 
for a couple weeks and butter her up. It's just immediately right out of the gate because that's the foul people that we're dealing with here. So, you know, if you're going to go big on the if you're going to go big on the violence and gore, these are the people that are probably going to go big on the, you know, sexual harassment and assault as well. So, um and another probably thing that you wouldn't see typically in a lot of shows is she goes through with it and you know is super regretful and obviously hurt and and but like you said you know that's the big dream and it's her mom's dream and and all of that and you know sadly she she does that but then uh you know later while she's kind of collecting herself and and uh you know, just trying to process what's happened, uh, she ends up just randomly meeting Huey in the park, and they kind of have a nice, you know, little exchange, and, you know, without really divulging too much, and and they kind of have a nice little bond there, which was nice to see, but, um, you know, it kind of leaves her, I think that's the first time we find out that her name's Annie, um, it leaves Annie kind of feeling like, you know what, this was not how I wanted this situation to start. It's heartbreaking that, you know, my dream required me to do this, to, to move forward with it. But I can put this behind me. I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to go in there and, and be the fighter that, that I know I can be. So the next time she sees the deep, she kind of, you know, stares him down and flares up the the starlight eyeballs and basically shows him, look, you know, you fucked with me once, but, but things are going to be different now. I'm not going anywhere. You haven't scared me away essentially. Right. And I think that that's a great thing because I think where that can be empowering and hopefully they'll, you know, follow up on it later in the season is that, uh, you know, just because a woman is forced into an awful situation and, maybe even at the time feels that there's no other recourse but to go through with it. That doesn't mean that she's been any less victimized. And the fact that in this situation, you know, because she is a soup, you know, and then had the, obviously the good interaction and, and, you know, has made now made a decision to react in her own way and, you know, so on and so forth. But like, obviously in, in the real world, you know, that that's an opportunity where, you know, a woman could pursue, you know, justice, you know, through through legal means whereas hopefully Mm -hmm. you know i i just you know i i'm because this show has shown already quickly where it's willing to go you know i'm hoping that maybe she'll take out some personal retribution on his ass so uh so i'm willing to let her just come back and and be her own you know, strength oh, yeah. and, and vengeance. Well, we've learned a lot about her in that moment because we know mm-hmm. that now, you know, she's not the kind of person that's going to, you know, let someone... She could very easily have let that taken away her dream and let that just, you know, ruin everything that she's worked for, but she's not having it, so, right. so she'll be back in there. Um, so, all right, so let's get to Billy Butcher. Uh, Carl Urban... One of my faves. I'm so excited. Um, basically shows up, you know, on, on Huey's doorstep, right at his at his job, and um, you know, flashes his flashes the FBI badge, and you know, basically just says, you know, look, we we know what happened with your girlfriend. Um, you know, we want we 
want to help we need you to help us and we can help you kind of get retribution that kind of thing so so just starts talking them up but you know obviously somebody who's who's uh standoffish and timid and ineffectual like huey you know doesn't want much to do with it but uh um billy butcher just keeps working on him wear wears him down i love the chemistry between these two um you know obviously it builds throughout the season as well but it's so perfect because you know butcher is just this you know very raw you know tough guy type you know wants to go at the soups and obviously huey wants nothing to do with it i, lo- I love at the one point where, where he's like uh you know, you got to come with me. I got to show you this place. And Huey's like, uh, no, I'm not going to a second location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just made me laugh because, yeah. like, all the, all the like, self-defense people are like, never let them take you to a second location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> yes, they, they immediately established this great uh, dynamic between those two characters and their personalities. And, uh, you know, I love the fact that, uh, you know, obviously the scene where they go into the, like the, you know, the sex, you know, the, the bar slash sex room of the superheroes, you know, basically, uh, was hilarious. The second location ends up being like the, you know, underground club. I think he, he said it's like the only place that soups can, can go where they're not scrutinized by the feds and stuff. Right. Uh, but yeah, that was crazy. That was a crazy scene. Oh man. So funny. But so like, you know, it establishes not only this great dynamic between the two of them, but then it also, you know, obviously starts to give you a glimpse behind the veil and so on and so forth. But yeah, the, my favorite part of that whole thing, though, was, you know, as they find as they as they sit down at the end, you know, um, at the table, and he gives them the file about the information uh, that he's going to go through. And then again, we've already established that. You know, Huey seems to be a real sharp guy and, you know, whatever. And so you kind of think that maybe this is where you start to establish the, you know, he's going to be the, the guy behind the guy. You know, he's going to be the the, right. the the headset guy or whatever, like they say. Yeah, the, the guy in the, in the chair. Yeah, the guy in the chair, like from <laughs> Spider-Man. You know, I love it. So, uh, um, but then immediately, and again, I, 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 it's, I hope it's speaking to the integrity of the show, which I'm going to really love, love them for, but it doesn't you know like he doesn't all of a sudden flip on a on a dime and, and and betray the character that they're already starting to establish so he like kind of gets excited there for a second but then kind of takes a pause and a breath and is like you know no that's not you know don't you have somebody else i mean i'm i'm going to go in there and i'm going to fuck it up and i'm going to be dead and you're not going to yeah. have a have a, a anything accomplished anyway so like yeah you know the fact that you know, just because, you know, a dude tells you that you're needed and he takes you to, like you said, a second location doesn't all of a sudden mean you're just going to be all in. You know, I just like right. that he was, you know, you saw that he was excited and you saw that he was thinking about, OK, maybe I can be part of this plan to, to you know, to yeah. to. to yeah. Well, and also he's being fueled also by his anger now because, you know, mind you, he's seen just, I mean, he knows what happened on that street and he's seen, 
you know, Madeline and A-Train on the news. Oh, right. You know, look, we we feel bad that this happened, but, you know, I was going to stop a bank robbery and she ran out into the street. Yes. You know, and he's maintained all, he's said several times. And that's actually how Billy Butcher, you know, he's wanting them to plant a bug, but you can tell he's bugged Huey already at this point because he even uses the same words. He's like, she was one step off the curb, and that's what he's been saying the well, whole time. Well, you make a great point because I forgot, you know, although, the, again, I just love the, the, how that scene was kind of buttoned up and how, like, I, like we spoke to, the, the idea of their, you know, his personality not being betrayed. But I forgot the very important part right before that where when, the security when Billy Butcher actually shows him the security. <laughs> and, again, it was so well played because – to the specifics of the words, you know, and you know me, I'm I'm so much about word the words that are used, and the fact that he he makes a point of saying, "Turn that up," and then you hear him say, "Yeah, I swallowed one of her molars like a bug on the back of my throat," and that's when he yeah. absolutely loses his shit. It's like, how can you you just killed up somebody, and you well, killed, and they start laughing about it, right? Yeah. Because when. When they, they go to the video, initially, you know, it shows him pouring shots for himself and stuff like that. So I immediately thought to myself, okay, they're going to establish maybe he was drunk running, you know, or whatever. And he, oh, and he right, took right. her out that way. But the idea yeah. of their disregard, like the joke of they've just destroyed this woman, like literally destroyed her, not just killed her. Like she was in pieces. And then he makes the joke about the molar. It was just so... Like, not only, you know, done a different way, you could certainly bring Huey's anger up to a fever pitch and all that kind of stuff, but just the ratcheting up of of what disregard these soups hold normal people, you know, at the level of right, was just right. was so important. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, that was important. That was a great point you make. Yeah. So the. Uh... Yeah, so the video establishes, obviously, like you said, the disregard and the callousness. And then the file that that Butcher has is basically confirming there were no arrests that day. There was nothing in that area at all involving a bank robbery. So whatever they said on the news was obviously horseshit. So, um, and, and the plan, you know, like you said, that he's reluctant to do. You know, essentially, to plan a bug. Just go, yeah, to in plan a bug watchtower, in, in like in the there. Justice League watchtower. <laughs> yeah, so you Excuse can me. see. I mean, Huey is Huey is justifiably uh, reluctant to do that, but he, he is, Butcher he's has a good a good plan to get him in. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, go ahead. I was just gonna say he's a good-hearted, well-meaning Radio Shack employee, and some guy right. has just within the last twenty-four hours met him, and now is approaching him with the idea of being a, a, a 007-esque spy going into the, the bowels of the, the, the most powerful group in the world's right, headquarters. Right. And it's like, ah, yeah, I might go ahead and pass on that. Well, <laughs> I don't think I'm up and to a that. Couple, a, a couple of things in those conversations between Butcher and Huey, you know, again, establish more of kind of Huey's view of this world because, number one, he still thinks... He still thinks Butcher's an FBI agent at this point. Yes, he finds yes. out later in the episode that that was just, just bullshit. But like his response is, "Look, you're FBI. If if stuff is going on, just call your bosses. You know, go in there, right. get, you know, take them down or whatever." Um, 
And then also earlier in their conversation, you know, Butcher alludes to the fact he's like, he, he's like, what happened to Robin happens all the time. You don't yes. hear about yes. it, but it's happening. And Huey's kind of like, come on, if, if that was happening, we'd know about it. Right. You know, that very head in the sand, you yeah. know, nobody's going to allow Great the point. seven to just run roughshod over everybody. So this is a guy that is just not a a worldly character in episode one, season one. Yes. I mean, he's been living in this, you know, a timid man with a timid father, you know, keeping each other, right. you know, just from, from the dangers of the world or whatever. Um, but yeah, so he's, he's, uh, not really wanting to go in there and, and, uh, risk himself to do that. Um, I'm trying to, Kind of thing. I'm getting a little out of sequence because oh, we already talked about the meeting with the mayor because that's basically what happens next. So, um, you know, we're talking all out of order. But basically, um, you know, Madeline meets with the mayor. Huey meets Starlight after that or whatever, after he's already met Butcher. Um, but then he essentially calls him and says, what, what was it that... Was it hit? Was it the conversation with Starlight? Is that what also motivated Huey to go ahead and and call Butcher and say, "Yeah, I'm in"? Or what went down there? Because I I feel like something like pushed him off the fence and made him decide to go ahead and do it. Yeah, I think that whole bench conversation was to establish part that. of that. Okay, so it emboldened her and emboldened him at the same time by talking about that and. You know, he basically is like, all right, I'll do it. Um, and <laughs> I just love that scene in the car where he's telling him, look, okay, so go in there. You'll have the, the bug in the cell phone. You go through security, pop it off. You know, at some point, say you have to go to the bathroom. Go in there and, you know, peel the thing off, do it. And Huey's just looking at him like, I I don't know what the hell you just said. I don't, you know, that was way too much. Slow it down. So... You know, the plan is for him to go in there and say, or call them and say, look, I'll take the 45 grand, you know, but I want a face-to-face apology with A-Train. So that's basically what's going to get him in there. Yeah, um, I, I, I love the... the uh... <laughs> well, again, I, I just... Carl Urban is just, like, one of my favorites. So just that whole so scene was so great because he's he's like, yeah, he's like... You know, they're... they're <clears throat> Everything's decided. You know, they basically, he kind of gives them the plan that you're going to go meet uh, A-Train. You're going to tell him, um, you're going to agree to to basically sign this with with the stipulation that you want to meet for a face-to-face apology. You don't have, you know, it right. doesn't have to be out in the public, whatever. That you, you, Just for closure, you need that. So basically, he's feeling pretty good about this. You know, they're driving there together. And th- yeah, they b- basically pull up. He says, get out. Oh, yeah, by the way, take this in there. It's going to be hidden under your cover. You, It'll get you through security. As you start the meeting, you start to meet him. Say, all of a sudden, I got to go to the bathroom. You go there. You pop the cover off. You take that off. You take the little plastic piece, which will reveal the adhesive. You put the thing back together. You go back in there. You finish it up. You, you install the bug. Don't be a cunt about this. And he says, wait, 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 wait. You got to go over that. Can you at least repeat? He's like, I, I, I'm not ready. Is that, can you at least repeat that one more time? He's like, yeah, don't be a cunt about this. Now go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
he, he's awesome. He's and and it just gets better uh, throughout the season. So essentially, he gets in there and and is able to, you know, basically execute that plan with a few little uh, wrenches in the gears. But uh, yeah, it's great. You know, they lead a train in there, and it's like, look, you know. He's, he's going to apologize, but this is in no way an admission It's of guilt or whatever. It's all just very corporate. And, uh, you know, Huey gets through it. He gets in the, it gets in the uh, bathroom and, uh, you know, obviously drops his shit and just barely, uh, barely is able to execute it. But then as he leaves, we see that uh, Translucent was sitting in there. You know, naked and invisible. Yep. Now we've already established we haven't talked about it yet, but we've established that translucent. You know, because at, at one point they do a little cutaway where he's on the uh, Jimmy Fallon show. You know, talking about his powers, talking about his you know how his skin changes, and Jimmy Fallon's like, so you have to be naked, right? He's like, yeah. Um, so we're starting to learn that translucent. You know, as probably is about a 50 50 chance if somebody gets that power to be naked and invisible you know turns out to be a bit of a perv and likes to hang out in the bathroom right which was great because uh the earlier scene that we that we didn't talk about was where um you know after the assault you know basically after the the, you know um uh, starlight you know getting her act back together in the bathroom and ready to you know deal with it um uh, Queen Mauve's in the bathroom, you know, at the sink with her. Maeve, she, Queen Maeve. Queen yeah. Maeve, excuse me. Um, and basically says, uh, you know, clean yourself up and gives her a uh, 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 towel and then says, you know, don't ever let them see you that way. And so basically, obviously, yeah. we immediately know that she's obviously had to deal with some sort of assault or some sort of harassment herself. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then she's walking out and she's like, yeah, and translucent, uh, get the you know, bleep out of here or whatever she says, and uh, yeah, you sick fuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you, so it establishes that yeah, he's a he's a he's a loiterer in the in the. Yeah, he has a uh, he has a pattern of this type of behavior. Correct, and um, and what I liked so much is before you know he it, it shows that he was there to and and saw um, Huey drop the the bug. Um, I'm so happy that you know they teased you with the fact that starlight goes through there and you think okay maybe they're going to see each other and 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 she's going to become part of the plan or whatever and i'm so glad that it was just a little quick tease and then she's gone so yeah. that it doesn't you yeah. know cuz that would have been such a typical you know way to do that type of thing and so i it would it would have complicated things pretty prematurely at that point co- for sure correct and i'm glad that sure. that they that's such that's something that happens commonly enough where they could tease it and then purposely pull it back real quick and i really liked yeah. that they chose to do that you know but yeah they've yeah. really uh, established translucent as a perv so yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah so after Huey leaves you know butcher just drops him off back at work and now i mean Huey probably his adrenaline's going a little bit and he pulled off the plan. So now he's kind of like, you know, what's next? I'm, yeah. I'm kind of into this. You <laughs> right. know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I'm getting my retribution a little bit. And he's even, you know, pretty badass. He's like, have you ever seen anybody rip up a $45,000 check and he just rips it up, you know? And again, 
Like, the dude's got some integrity. He did all this. I mean, there's no reason he couldn't have spent that money, but well, it, he is just not going to not gonna take that blood money. Before he gets out of the car, I think that was the part. I mean, again, I, I definitely like that, the, the ripping the check scene, but that was kind of like a... Well, I mean, I guess ripping $45,000 in half is never a, a, a small detail, but, like, what moved yeah. me so much in that scene was the, you know... They had to establish that he had, you know, basically butchered, used him, and it was time to move on. And 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 he's not one that's gonna mince those words, really. So he's like, I'm kind of, yeah, right. you, you served your purpose. Yes, that's you know? it. That, yeah, right. that's all we needed from you. And yeah. uh, and the hurt realization of that, and not some like deep, like all of a sudden I'm just, you know, a damaged person now, you know, on the part of Huey, but like just that, you know, not only did it. It, it stung, but I somewhat almost expected it. And then yet I'm going to, you know, sit, you know, tell you that I could be useful. You know, I, I'm going to do yeah. my, you know, the service to myself and at least, you know, start to speak up for myself. But quickly, as soon as, you know, you have reestablished, no, you know, we've, you, you're done. We, we, we've used yeah. you for yeah. what we, we needed to use you. Um, you know, he resignedly, you know, walks out and gets out of the car. And then, so when he turns and rips the check, I feel like that's not even just, and again, it was, even if it was just the integrity part, which would have been cool, I think it was just supposed to show it's one more step up in the, you know, I'm going to now start sticking up for myself and being more, you know, who I have the potential of being. So it, uh, yeah, I mean, again, for, there really wasn't a wasted moment in this episode. I mean, it's really established. They got after it quickly. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I loved, I loved Huey after that because you could just, you could feel for him too, because and you're right. He, he didn't he didn't take that news like it was unexpected, but you just really felt for him because you can imagine the feeling if you went through your whole life, you know, not acting on things and not standing up for yourself and not being, you know, proactive in any way to all of a sudden, you know, essentially lying your way into the headquarters of the seven and, you know, pulling off espionage, right? You know, that's a big, that's a big swing in the matter, in the matter of a couple days, you know, so he he had to have been just feeling awesome and then pretty crestfallen, you know, that, that, that was the end of his journey, you know? Right. And if, and, and, and tell me if, how you feel about this, but like, that's why I thought it was so important that after he's basically told in so many words, you, you know, you've served your purpose by not doing the check thing right then and there, you basically show that he has, you know, it's, there's, the, the ripping of the check is not theater in any way, shape, or form, and it could have come across that way a little bit if he hadn't already said, well, hey, you know, I can, you know, maybe help you, I can be the guy, you know, working at, you know, again, the guy behind, you know, the guy in the yeah. chair, you know, he kind of throws that out there a little bit right there, and he's like, no, you know, we're, we're done with you. So then, Basically, then when he turns and does the check, it's, this is not for you, though. This is, you know, I'm showing right. it, you know, hey, you want to see this because you probably don't see this every day, you know. So there's that, 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 
I guess, yeah. part of theater, but it's really about, I'm just, you're my witness to this is empowering. I'm doing this because, yeah. you know, I, I like you said, right. it was far everything more I, important everything I, I just went into did. the Tower of the Seven and right. pulled off that shit than it is any amount of money or or even the act this self or itself of denying the money. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, right. yeah, I just thought, yeah. it, I mean, it really showed in, for such a subtle, just like really, you know, quote unquote, quiet scene in a way, it just spoke mm-hmm. so loudly, you know, about, uh, you yeah. know, where, where I think most specifically Huey, but even where Butcher's going to go and, and his relationship right. with Huey from here, or at least I'm hoping so. Yeah, very exciting. I mean, a lot. That's another thing that I really noticed in this first episode is, um, for as awe-inspiring as some of the effects, you know, the quote-unquote action is. I, I, I hate when I do that quote-unquote. Um, as exciting as so much of the you know visuals are and the action is, there's. It's just so exciting. There's just so much taking place and so much of the dialogue and so much of the, you know, the more conversational interactions that, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to see where this goes. Yeah. So, uh, so Huey's a little bummed. He doesn't know if he's going to even really see any of the fruits of his labor there. That's got to be a frustrating part, too, to not even you know, be able to know how this thing gets resolved, you know, right. not even to be able to keep up on it or whatever. But uh, he goes back in, you know, just to 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 his work. And then um, shortly after, but- as so- basically as soon as Butcher leaves, you know, the door opens back up, but we don't see anybody, the, so we know. The, the boss says, know, hey, lock up after me and walks out the door. Yeah, I got, and then the door yeah, doesn't, and then you doesn't just hear close the door. all the way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It's like, you know, obviously we know, we know translucence there, but he's kind of, you know, having that moment. Um, and then, you know, basically just translucent hits him with the, who are you? Why, you know, shows him the bug. Uh, who are you? What did, why did you bug, bug this place? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and he cover he covers for, for butcher. He's like, that was, you know, cause translucent wants to know who it was in the car and everything. Yeah. And he's like, it was just an Uber yeah, driver. Yeah, I love so, that. You know, he's still, he's being awesome. a stand-up guy and not, you know. Totally. Um, it, Hugh, Huey maybe two weeks ago would have given up. Oh, Butcher, for sure. You know, to save his own ass. But for like sure. now he's he's getting a little, getting a little honor, getting a little integrity here. Um, and, you know, basically Huey's about to get dropped and then, the car flies through the front of the store butcher you know slams into translucent and tells tells huey to just get out you know obviously huey's not going to do that he's been told that already and didn't like it but uh i love this fight between translucent and butcher it was so well done yeah you've seen like you've seen invisible man type movies and them trying to do interesting stuff with it but I just love, I mean, Butcher's holding his own, you know, the, the best you can do against an invisible man. And then it was perfect. Cause like 
he gets like translucent gets his one arm and then gets his other arm and kind of has butcher like that but that's actually when butcher knows he's kind of got him because he does like the headbutt and gets his blood gets his own blood all over him so now he can kind of kind of see him and just such a creative way to do that and just you know you wanted to see butcher kicking some ass because you can you could already tell he was you know a, a guy who could do it but uh yeah it was great and then huey ends up yeah. essentially getting the best of him well I, yeah i love the fact that like you said that, that he's basically you know does the typical where you know that that you know that's a very specific move in most action sequences so then not only does he basically rear back and headbutt him because now he knows he's squared up with him which i which i like but really that's only to to basically you know put him create the blood (laughs) what's that well his i thought it was just to like butcher basically gets you know get shit on him but butcher gets worked over like three or four times to the face you know where he he doesn't see where the hand's coming from so his mouth is now just pooling with and filling with blood so basically the headbutt, I, I, or at least I took it as only a st- is basically just putting enough of a, a dizziness in him for a second where he can really square up and then blow the blood all over his face. Because if he just blows right. it, you know, when you're fighting, your head's going back and forth. He headbutts him to basically right. make make him stationary for that split second. He spits blood in his face, backs up. They get a few more exchange, a few more blows, and then the I think the next time you see. Butcher kind of grab his wrist and blow blood right on the on the fist itself, so he can see right. it coming. You know when they're fighting, and you think, okay, the tide's really turning. And then translucent, you know, kicks his legs out from under him, and basically, you know, the tides turn one more time, or whatever. Right, you right, know, and then right. That, that's when uh, you know our our boy Huey steps in. So, well, I liked it too because, like, just the way he did that, you could tell. This is a guy who has thought through. He's you know, a street I mean, fighter. I, I wouldn't. I yeah, I wouldn't say that was a hundred percent instinct. This is somebody who has pre-thought about, you know, these superpowers. Yes. And yes. you know what are some what are some things you can do to to uh, level the playing field. Um, but I loved how it resolved because we get to see. I mean. Huey's knowledge, Huey's, you know, own expertise mm-hmm. has been foreshadowed through the whole episode. Yep. Um, so at this point, the store is completely trashed from, you know, not just from translucent trashing it in the first. Oh, because, yeah, that's actually before Butcher comes through with the car. Translucent has the flat screen TV and just about to chop right down on him. So he's completely trashed this place and then the car has done additional damage so there's like an exposed you know coax cable or something electrical cable of some kind in the wall and you know huey's like kind of trying to yank it out to get him closer and doesn't quite do it but then butcher gives like a little kick to get him close enough hits him with the wire and electrocutes him which you know it wasn't a live wire that wouldn't happen with just you know if you just stuck it on a human being's leg but butcher's like how'd you know that would work he's like oh i saw him on jimmy fallon right. talking about Turns how his skin carbon. is He's carbon carbon um yeah um so there it is after learning all yep. about huey and his kind of tech smarts you know it's starting to pay off right and butcher even says he's like, i would have never figured out that out <laughs> i mean, would have never put that together in a month you know or whatever so right which 
you know, that was a little... I, I would have actually liked Butcher to just maybe do that with an expression on his face. That was a little bit uh, a little bit on the nose for him to say, oh, you know, because obviously that was Butcher's moment where he's like, oh, maybe this kid's going to be more useful than I thought he would be. Yeah, but I think that there was already a little bit in the car scene. I felt like it established that Butcher, as, as hard and street as he was, he already was having a little bit of a soft spot for the kids. So I think that line is him offering a little bit of a fatherly or at least big brotherly type of thing to Huey. Like, Hey, you did done good kid. Not really so much like I might've shit on you a little bit the last day or so, but you know, you did all right. Right. And, and and, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Be proud of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. It was an awesome, uh, um, oh, I can't wait to see where they go to, you know, what, what this yes. dynamic is going to produce. So. Yes. I've, I've, I love Huey and Butcher together. Yes. It's, it's an awesome pairing. So, so um, and, so basically Butcher, they've taken him down. And, and I, just before we wrap that up, I, I you know, again, I, obviously I don't want you to tell me, but like, I have no idea what to expect from him, but I feel like, you know, cause by now we've established that there's this. What is it? Compound V or, or comp- compound V. Okay. Um, you know, obviously we, we've already, you know, through the whole episode established that butcher has some knowledge, you know, that he's obviously not really a fed or like at the one part he's, you know, they say he's a cop, but he's not a cop, you know, he's, so right, he's obviously the underground. Working, they think he's a cop. Right, he's, yeah. He, he's got stories for everybody. He's working angles. So, um, but you know, he's, you know, he's, he's seen behind the veil at a minimum, but my thing is, uh, what what it left me with at the end of that fight scene with uh, with translucent was that like you said I mean almost like that Batman esque thing of like knowing how to take out you know soups but also maybe that you know that there was some personal experience there you know so I don't know. I can't wait to see all of what I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm the, again, like I'm the most excited to see where the, the interaction and the dynamic of Huey and Butcher go, but there's just so much more about Butcher that hasn't been revealed yet. I feel, and I have a feeling almost like as if he was powered at one time and, and is no longer or something like that. I don't, you know, I don't know what vibe I'm getting from him or maybe he knows you know, maybe a powered, uh, you know, a soup did something, you know, to somebody that he cared about, or, you know, I, I, there's something deeper there, but I just, uh, you know, and I'm hoping that they don't, you know, tip their hand too quickly or whatever, but, uh, but as somebody that has no idea what to expect going in, I'm just really, there's, there's something deeper there that just really excites me. So, Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's ob- obviously he he has a a very personal interest. Well, not necessarily personal, I guess you wouldn't say at this point, but a, a very vested interest in in exposing, you know, Vaught and and the Seven for what they really are. And right. yeah, I mean, it very well could be that there's a close connection there. Um, really, all we know for sure at this point is translucent didn't recognize him right so he's correct. at least not he's at least not known to them yes. even if he is known or they are known to him or whatever so i guess that's that's where we're at for that for now um 
And then kind of the button on this episode is uh, Madeline making the call that we discussed earlier to the mayor of Baltimore saying, hey, you know, we'll do 230, but keep your mouth shut about Compound V, blah, blah, blah. And very interesting way to do it that way because she makes the call and, and, you know, agrees to the deal and everything. And then it's just like, hey, enjoy your flight back. And then we see that he's on Have a safe flight back. have a safe flight back very Um, foreshadowing he's on the uh private jet with his child which was just awesome Uh, i know just like again it's one of those things that they could have very easily you know softballed that and just had him just on there with you know some other politicians that we bodyguards we have no idea if they deserve a comeuppance or you know we could we could feel morally ambiguous about everybody up there but they put his freaking kids sitting next to him on the plane with with a sign with a signed photo of homelander you know to (laughs) boot so and his kid loving it his kid looks out the window daddy daddy it's homelander you know don't don't you know him? Yeah. Aren't you guys friends or whatever? And dad's like, what's he doing? He's out like, here? Uh, and I just love the way they shot that too. Cause they're looking out and then all of a sudden just the light changes enough where you can see the reflection oh. when his eyes start glowing and, uh, so just good. full on just oh slices goodness. the plane, slices the plane open and crashes it with a smile. at the oh. end. Not a reluctant, you know, I was just following orders, but it zooms in and you see, the the self-satisfied smile on his face after he's done it well and and i love that and that's what i started to bring up earlier and i wanted to wait until we talked about this is because at one point and i don't know who says it but um i believe it's uh starlight that asks about how or maybe it's huey or somebody but somebody's talking about the heroes and are they all yeah probably huey actually you know are they all pieces of shit basically like the ones that he's you know dealt with so far and they're like, and uh, and maybe it's Butcher that says basically all of them except for Homelander. Anyway, there, it's basically earlier in the episode somebody establishes that supposedly they're all shady. Homelander's the only one that really is is true to his image, and hmm. and, and uh, my my goodness, I know I'm confusing all this. Actually, no, I do think maybe it was Starlight. But anyway, so. My assumption is like, you know, because everybody else was so bad that, that, you know, my gut was that he was bad or or that he would be bad. But then right before, remember when I mentioned that I saw the, some, some soup fly by that window in the earlier negotiating sequence, they had already made the, they had already done the scene where they, they had said that he was really the good guy. So that when I saw somebody fly by, I didn't assume it was him. So when it ended up being him that executed the the mayor and his son, you know, it definitely, early, you know, it surprised me a I little. Actually, you know, even though I kind of, when the show first started, you know, and he took the selfie, you know, by the, by the, and you said through the guy and stuff, like there was, I had some expect expectation that he was just as bad as everybody else, but they specifically stuck in a scene. And I'm going to have to go back and watch it now to figure out where it was, but like basically establishing, no, he's the one guy that's okay. And then obviously at the end, he wasn't okay. Yeah. So, yeah. 
And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, and I won't say anything that, that spoils anything, but, and I never noticed him flying by in that scene, um, and that's twice now that I've watched it, but I bet that was him, and it's something that we'll discuss in maybe next episode or the episode after that, but I think it was Homelander. I'm not going to say why I think okay. that now, but... You'll, you'll know when you watch that episode. But yeah, I think you're right. Like There very well may have been something said about that because um, you know, even when they had that first meeting and the meeting starts and everybody's talking about you know financial type stuff and points on the latest movie or whatever, our Homelander is like, you know, let's, let's stop this. Look at the impression you're giving to Starlight right. on our first day. What I want to know about is who did you save this week? Exactly. You know, <laughs> which, you know, obviously knowing what we know about him now is just bullshit, right. but yeah, they were maybe trying to establish him as the, the straight arrow, but, uh, obviously not. Oh, Cause he, I love it. he seemed to, he seemed to enjoy that a little bit yes. too much. Great satisfaction. Yeah. So uh, that's that's episode one of the boys, man. So I, I I'm enjoying going back and revisiting this, but but uh, I'm actually a little jealous of you that it's the first time through. Oh, you know, because you still have the full. Fortunately, I'm I'm phenomenal. old and and you know approaching senility, so a lot of this stuff I forgot. So a lot of this is like the first time for me too. And there's just so much there that I you know I know that I, upon a second or third viewing myself, I'm sure I would find more things so it's uh it's um this is going to be a fun fun trip through this first season so all right well we're hoping everybody's enjoying the show along with us so come back and join us next time for another episode we'll do season two or season one episode two on our next episode of the deep dive and in the meantime check out our other podcast uh, we have back issues where we talk about the greatest comic book stories ever told and hey if you like the boys and you haven't watched the umbrella academy on netflix uh, we also have a after show commentary show for that as well called sir reginald's monocle but all of this information and more can be found at the shaverbrothers.com so until next time thanks for listening my name's toby i'm shavy d We'll see you next time. Thanks again. Peace.